laying on that ground, bleeding out, so many people around, running around, people holding my chest, people I didn't know, you know, come from Kansas City. So death is kind of hard out here. And um, so I thought I was dying. You know, I didn't think of myself as surviving. A hundred and twenty-six. That's the number of people killed in Kansas City in 2016. Four years earlier, in 2012, that number wasn't much different. There were 108 homicides, 108 people killed. In the beginning of that year, Wesley Hamilton was in danger of becoming lost in that massive statistic after he was unexpectedly shot outside his former girlfriend's apartment. So, you know, I was really in a process of asking for, you know, why? You know, I had so many whys going through my head. I had just became a single father. I'm like, why me? Is this how it's gonna happen? I just got my daughter, you know, how is she gonna grow up? Like all these thoughts are going through my head. At that point, I was like, I'm dead. It's about to happen. You know, what's where am I going? You know, like that's how I feel, you know, and, and I had a thousand and one regrets. In that moment, Hamilton couldn't have known he would someday consider those gunshots to be one of the best things that ever happened to him or that he would one day be forgiving the shooter. I forgive him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be who I am today. You know, and so regardless if he tried to take my life, he gave me life. This is The Paris of the Plains, a podcast about stories from and for Kansas City. I'm your host, Matt Hodak. It was the beginning of 2012. Wesley had just become a single full-time father. His daughter was two years old. It was his birthday weekend, and he was walking to his car after visiting with a former girlfriend. Then I just hit the ground. Actually, he shot me twice. So the person that shot me was someone I had never seen. Then I just hit the ground. And at that time, I, I wasn't going to die in peace. I was going to die with regrets and, ho- and really feeling like I didn't do everything in life that I had the ability to do. You know, I'm coming from the inner city. And so everything in our mentality, our mindsets coming from an inner city, regardless of what inner city you come from, you don't think of being successful. You don't have those type of dreams. And so, like, I was just, um, I was 24 when I got shot, so I was just getting to the point of trying to grow up, you know, and I wasn't into anything or anything for those few years that I was being a parent, you know, but I just felt like my childhood and everything was a waste, you know, like I, I tried to fit in so much with my community that I never knew who I was. Oh, I remember everything. Even when the ambulance pulled up, I'm thinking it took you guys forever. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm still about to die. And then, you know, we get in the ambulance, they doing everything, they taking my clothes off. I'm like, oh, you gotta cut my clothes up. I'm like, I need them clothes. I'm what a, I don't die, I need them. So it was, and then so I got all I, I this is how far I remember. I remember getting rushed in the hospital, like a scene off of ER. And um, I remember the doctor saying, Tell me your name. Tell me your name. 
you know, what's your name? I'm like, can you quit asking me? And <laughs> can you just help me? That's all I kept saying. He said, what's your name? I'm like, help me. <laughs> like, what's your name? Help me. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you my name. You got it in my wallet. I just cut my clothes up. But yeah, so, I mean, I remember it all. I don't remember passing out, I re- but I do remember waking up. And I do remember waking up in, e- uh, in, in ICU. I had caught ammonia in the process. And so I had tube down my throat. Every time I would wake up, I tried to pull the tube out because I didn't know what was going on. And they would put me right back to sleep. And so the only thing I seen for about two weeks was my family coming in and out the room crying. And I'm not knowing why they are crying. I just see everybody crying. I'm like, what are you crying for? I'm alive. You know, I'm right here. You know, yeah, they got something in my throat. I don't know what it is, but I'm alive. And, you know, it, it still took about a month before it clicked with me, like, or before they even really was blunt enough to tell me I wasn't going to walk again. I was in denial. I mean, they came in a room. I, I got transferred to a hospital room, you know, and so they would come in there every day and touch your feet, you know, tell you to move your toes, do everything that, in their mind, they already knew I had a spinal cord injury. and But they didn't tell me that. You know, instead they like, oh, maybe it's hope. You know, sometimes people think regain strength. So they came in for about a week and was just testing me out. You know, move your feet. Can you feel this? Can you feel that? No, no, no. So then they finally came in there and said, well, you have a spinal cord injury. There's a, a, a huge chance, I want to say like a huge chance that you will never walk again. And I'm like, uh, okay. I didn't really take take it serious because the fact of you coming in a week before touching me, thinking that I, something's going to wake up, then something's going to wake up. You know, I survived this far. I'm going to be able to walk. It took six months before I realized I wasn't walking. <laughs> and so when that six months hit, that's when the depression really set in. And I'm like, I'm not going to walk. So everything's about to be different. You know, you think about how to adapt to life. You go out and all your friends that you've seen for 24 years are looking at you different because you're in a wheelchair now. You know, even, you know, women, you know, for me to be a man, women, I'm like, how do I get accepted by a woman? You know, it's just, it was different and it, and it, and it broke me. And then, like I said, I wasn't strong mentally. So I felt like my daughter looked at me crazy, you know, but she probably didn't even remember me walking because she was two. But... For me, I'm thinking, like, you remember that, you know? Now I'm angry. I was upset. I was negative thoughts. I mean, I was not a good person for years. And it was because I couldn't accept something that I had no control over. By the end of 2012, I was actually diagnosed with a pressure ulcer on my tailbone. This is where we have to talk about weight. You see, this kind of ulcer, it's caused by pressure being applied to one section of skin for too long. When Wesley was first placed in a wheelchair, when he was shot, he weighed 230 pounds. All, All that pressure combined with sitting all day started to cause the ulcer. Plus he says he was depressed, too depressed to do the regular exercises the nurses had taught him. Like, I think by the time I was done, I was at a stage four, which was like the worst. And, you know, it was to the point you could see a bone all the way just from the the surface. 
Hamilton went through a year and a half of bed rest and six surgeries to fix the ulcer. By the last six months of my bed rest, I knew I had to do something different. I was tired of feeling defeated. So I took it upon myself and uh, went to Johnson County Community College and took up a dietitian class. And I learned nutrition to a full, I mean, well, I learned it way more than what I knew before. And so it was, it was excellent um, just learning, and I got intrigued about it. And so in a year's time, I had lost 100 pounds. So, and that was just all through nutrition. I felt better. My mind was a lot better. I could cope with the whole process of the bed rest, the surgeries. Like, I was just mentally healthy. But Hamilton didn't stop there. He wanted to keep dramatically changing things in his life. And this turnaround inspired him to start a nonprofit he called Disabled, but not really. Yeah, the, the way I got the name was I hashtagged it uh, on a, a Instagram post, and I got, like, awesome feedback. And I'm like, okay, this could be something. Hamilton started going to ability expos. These are places where people who work with people with disabilities meet up to talk about practices and different organizations. He was going to these across the country to promote his vision to other people. That's where he learned about something called wheelchair bodybuilding. I didn't know anything about wheelchair bodybuilding at all. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a surprise for me. And so I, I went at it. They told me it was a competition like that March. So I only had a month to get ready. I was already like into nutrition, so telling me about a strict diet, I was on it. I, I, it wasn't hard for me to adapt because I had already adapted to the healthy way of life. Um, so I went, I went and competed in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I think I, I won second place that year in my in a lightweight division, and it just felt good. It felt good just being on that stage and showing a body <laughs> that I had never had before because I was always overweight. I don't look at my cheer as something that defines me anymore. I don't, it's a part of me. Uh, my main saying is like, don't let your struggle be your identity. And so I allowed my struggle to be my identity for so long that now it's not. And I, and I feel great. I actually feel free. And, um, Despite the physical limitations that other people see, I don't feel that way. I was trapped so long that now that I, I broke them chains, there's no way that I'm hooking back up to them. So this year, I went back to the wheelchair bodybuilding competition, whole new mindset, you know, a little bit more driven, and I finished first place. Um, and it was just, man, it was awesome. And um, then I got a call. And Men's Health Magazine wanted to do a, a, a photo shoot. And so I ended up getting into the May issue of 2017 Men's Health Edition, page 118. And so, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, it, to me it was just, you know, just hard work is paying off, but it's not over. And now my goal is to really go out and help people in the community and teach them, not only the people with disabilities, but people that are able-bodied as well, is that, you know, we, we have so many things that we allow control us and we have no control over. And you can't let things that you have no control over control you, period. A few months ago, Wesley Hamilton decided to post a video on his YouTube channel. In this video, he forgives the person who shot him, 
why can't why wouldn't I forgive someone that made my life better? I said in my video, I would give him a hug if I seen him. I would tell him thank you and let's go out and have coffee. Let's go and just talk. Hamilton's experience with violence is just one of many in Kansas City. In 2017, there were 150 people killed in KC. I couldn't help but ask Wesley if he thought there was something uniquely Kansas City about his story. Like I said, I come from inner city, so I'm always constantly, it's always hitting home of someone that I've ran into or I've known that has, you know, got killed or something like that. And, you know, and, and it's getting ridiculous. And so I feel like my purpose was to go through everything so I could help our youth change their minds of this violence and this and you know so it's not only about me and people with disabilities now it's me and trying to help the youth and letting them know i came from the same place they came from and i can help them and then it's me giving back to someone that's in need because i know how it feels when you need something and you don't have nowhere to look or nowhere to run to get it so it's like all these things like i literally feel like my whole life was planned for me to be here today and have a purpose to show other people what it means to never give up, to have no excuses, and to live your life regardless of wealth, regardless of anything, but live your life free. Freedom means so much more than anything else. From the people that I've met here in Kansas City, we have a lot of ambition. We're driven to for success when you get the right guidance or you get the right direction, I would say. Because, like, I wasn't guided to get to where I was just, I, I was led in that direction. Uh, but, you know, I feel that, you know, this is the this is the heart of the country. You know, this, we're in the middle of the map. And, you know, so we have to, you know, it's, it's a lot of talent here in Kansas City. And I feel that I'm... I'm finding my purpose in my city. That's why I give back so much, you know, because I'm a part of the city. I love my city. And, you know, regardless of the negativity and things that happen to myself and things, I still love my city and I will still give back. This is something that I would die for. Today, Hamilton still runs his nonprofit, Disabled But Not Really. He also speaks and advocates for people with disabilities. When he's not doing that, he also runs a program that helps give water to homeless people. And, of course, he also has another full-time job, being a father. And my daughter's seven now, so she's she's constantly like my learning curve. You know, like I'm constantly learning from her because as I push myself, she's constantly seeing that I am way, in her eyes, I'm more, I'm better than other people that's walking. And so it makes it, a lot easier for me to go out in society because I'm already accepted by all that I need to be accepted by, and that's my child. And even like today, I, you know, I'm like, I, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go talk on a, on a radio show, and she's like, "Are you going to tell them about me?" I'm like, "For always," but it helps her to have that mentality that you know, if my dad can do it, I can do it. I love my life. I love who I am today. And I know that I was never going to be this person if I didn't experience what I experienced. And so there's nothing that I would take back. When I said I laid on the ground with no regrets, I could probably be back in that same position and lay and with a smile on my face today. 
Thanks to Wesley Hamilton for sharing his story with us. And thanks to all the people and organizations in Kansas City working to combat violence. Paris of the Plains is part of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. You can find all their shows wherever you do your podcasting or at fountaincityfrequency.com. I highly recommend No Wrong Answers. It's a show that hands the microphone to educators to get a teacherly take on how the biggest news stories are affecting students in schools. Thanks again to Wesley Hamilton. I'm your host, Matt Hodap. Thanks for listening.